The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to Falado on Football here on Big Blue View Radio. I am the host Nicholas Falado, and we're going to go over this week in the NFL what has went down, what has transpired and the big news was from across the town within the same stadium which is not in New York, it's actually in New Jersey and that is our friends over there at the New York Jets. Not the New York Football Jets, just the New York Jets because they traded the third overall pick in the 2018 draft, Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. Yes, that trade finally went down, and this kind of illuminates what we all expected was going to happen. Joe Douglas, this is his second draft now. This is his first time picking this high in the draft. Last year, he was just outside of the top 10, went with Mekhi Becton, got that long-term left tackle. And now he has this carryover from the Mike McCagnan era and Sam Darnold, the talented guy coming out of USC, had a lot of pedigree, but I remember when he came out of USC. And I don't consider myself a quarterback guru, but I tend to believe I know how to watch film and what to look for. And I saw a quarterback in Sam Darnold who was willing to take the risks, which I don't hate. But I saw somebody whose footwork was a little wonky, a little inconsistent, and it kind of forced some errant throws. Now, he goes into the NFL, and he just never gets the coaching. He's never surrounded with any real talent. And... Mike McCagnin gets fired. Todd Bowles got fired. They brought in good old Adam Gase. That did not work out. Joe Douglas comes. They give him one year with Adam Gase and Joe Douglas. It was a disaster. And if it wasn't for a 23-20 road victory over the Los Angeles Rams, possibly the Jets could have been picking Trevor Lawrence right now, depending on what would have happened, obviously. But the Jacksonville Jaguars will now have that pick first overall and now that Sam Darnold is shipped out of town to Carolina trade we're going to get into in a little bit it all but looks like Zach Wilson the quarterback from the BYU Cougars is going to be Douglas's pick we saw him just absolutely enamored with Zach Wilson at their pro day on March 26th it seemed like everybody was enamored and that was a really fun day in the NFL because that was the same day Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch the San Francisco 49ers traded up to the number three spot and it looks like they're going to have their choice between Justin Fields, Mac Jones, or Trey Lance and again like I said last podcast this is great news for the New York Giants I hope all five quarterbacks go in the top 11 so the Giants can sit there and pick 
one of the top talents that hopefully will fall to them. That could be Penny Sewell, the Oregon tackle. That could be Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end slash wide receiver. Either of those Alabama wide receivers, Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle, Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. It, the, the options will be endless, and it's looking like it's going to be a fun draft for the New York Giants. Could they possibly trade down the first time in Dave Gettleman's tenure as a general manager with the New York Giants? and the Carolina Panthers from before he arrived on scene as a general manager. But let's not forget, back in the day, Dave Gettleman was a part of the staff for the New York Giants with Jerry Reese and Ernie Accorsi. But let's backtrack a little bit. Joe Douglas is going to get his guy, Zach Wilson. Good for the New York Jets. Hopefully they can surround this kid with a more stable environment than what Sam Darnold had. And Sam Darnold also... Had some tough breaks that weren't necessarily just related to personnel and suboptimal coaching. Remember, two years ago, supposed to have his breakout year, and he ends up getting mono, misses a lot of the season this past year. He got slammed to the ground on Thursday Night Football against the Denver Broncos, and he was kind of battling through that shoulder injury for that entire season. But you got to look at the end product, man. You have to be able to create explosive plays in the NFL. And I am looking at Daniel Jones through the side of my eye. Because we saw it in 2019, but we did not see it in Jason Garrett's offense in 2020, especially through the air. We saw him make a lot of explosive plays with his legs, but we need to see more consistency making explosive throws down the field, pushing the ball vertically, and actually generating some offense. Because the Giants and the Jets, both of these New York teams, finished 31st and 32nd in the NFL, according to most of these major stats, points, yards per game, all of those types of stats, franchise quarterbacks have to be able to sustain offense. And I'm hoping Daniel Jones takes that Josh Allen type of leap. And the Giants this offseason have surrounded him with a lot of pieces to help him take that leap. Obviously, Kenny Galladay, you get Saquon Barkley back. You have Kyle Rudolph who can run Y option now and not be such a liability like Evan Ingram was. Let's just call it what it was. He was a liability. Bringing John Ross to be a vertical threat. I even like that addition. He might only play 35% of the snaps, 30% of the snaps, what have you, but that vertical element can help stretch the defense both vertically and horizontally. Just that explosive ability, I should say. But Sam Darnold never necessarily received that type of overhaul. They tried to rebuild the offensive line. I thought they brought in some solid pieces last year. They overspent on George Font. But to bring in Mekhi Becton, they signed the interior offensive lineman to help sure everything up. Didn't materialize to wins on the field. Wasn't a great environment. You know what? I really hope that doesn't happen for Daniel Jones this year. Yes, Dave Gettleman has brought in a lot of pieces to help him through shiny weapons. But as I always say, you have to fortify the offensive line. And I'm not feeling great about Will Hernandez, nor am I feeling too great about Shane Lemieux. And then you look at both tackle positions are rookies. And then Nick Gates, second-year center now, because he was an undrafted guy out of Nebraska who was a tackle, but he's very versatile. So I'm hoping Daniel Jones has a better third year than Sam Darnold did. But let's get into the trade real quick. I actually think there's a lot of winners in this trade. I don't really see many losers. If I had to name a loser, it would be Teddy Bridgewater, to be honest. And that's just because he had this job last year and he just couldn't necessarily get this team over the hump because, I mean, he threw, what, 15 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, signed a three-year, $63 million deal. He's in the second year of that, and the Panthers lost so many close games last year, so many close games. 
And I think Matt Rule and Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator, look at it and say, if we can upgrade this quarterback position, we might have a shot at getting into one of those three wildcard spots now, which is something. I mean, the Bears made the playoffs last year with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. Let's not forget about that. So Matt Rule gets Sam Darnold now, a kid who has a lot of talent, has a lot of pedigree. But like I said, he's he's struggled. He hasn't had the best situation. He's been prone to poor decision-making. He has made some bad turnovers, has made those mistakes a couple different times. It didn't seem like he necessarily learned from those mistakes, which is problematic. I think that's fair. But you pair this kid up with Joe Brady, and Joe Brady, look what he did with Joe Burrow. 2019 LSU Tigers. No one was talking about them as a favorite to win the national championship. Joe Burrow was a seventh-round pick by a lot of people's measures going into that season, and he skyrocketed up the board. Was the first overall pick in 2020. And Joe Brady really just revamped what the LSU Tigers did in the SEC, and he brings it to Carolina. And Carolina, they didn't have a terrible offense this year. They ended up losing Christian McCaffrey for all but three games this season. And they have these three receivers last year, I should say, with Curtis Samuel, who's now gone, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson obviously has rapport with Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson had two very solid seasons together. The New York Jets, Sam Darnold's young neophyte type of years. And you know Robbie Anderson, he's come out and said, he's expressed support for Sam Darnold, he's happy Darnold is coming back. They trust each other. And DJ Moore is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. And watching a lot of Carolina games last year when they were on, there were times where you could see DJ Moore win cleanly off the line of scrimmage, release outside, stack on top of the defensive back, and Teddy Bridgewater either didn't see him with no coverage over the top, or he missed him. And that happened. And Bridgewater, I like him for who he is, but bringing in Sam Darnold gives, I feel, the Carolina Panthers, who are also a winner in this trade, more options. So the trade compensation, I mean, I feel like it's fair. I feel like it's fair for the Panthers, and I feel like it's fair for the New York Jets, to be honest, because the Jets were sitting there, and they had to make a decision on Sam Darnold. This fifth-year option date is May 3rd, the last day you can pick up someone's fifth-year option. And that fifth-year option money is $18.8 million. It looks like the Carolina Panthers are going to pick up that option after trading for him. But honestly, the Panthers didn't have to give up all that much because the Jets didn't have too much leverage. I think everybody assumed or knew that the Jets wanted to get away from Sam Darnold and select one of these quarterbacks, more than likely Zach Wilson, the BYU kid, as I said before. So the Panthers, all they gave up was a 2021 six-round pick and a 2022 second and fourth. So that's three picks that get to go to the New York Jets. Second-round pick, pretty prime pick. But for the Panthers, this doesn't tie them up with Sam Darnold. If Sam Darnold goes into Joe Brady's offense and struggles and keeps making the same mistakes and doesn't necessarily pick up the offense as the Carolina Panthers hoped, guess what they get to do? They can cut bait. This isn't that much draft compensation. This isn't multiple first-round picks. This isn't one first-round pick. This is a 2022 second. They don't have to give up really anything in 2021 for this year's draft class other than that sixth. So I really like this trade for both sides. The Jets, you know, yes, obviously it's not a good ROI on your 2018 first-round pick, which was the third overall pick, but it just didn't work out. You have to reset the clock, and 
there are people who said, do you just keep Sam Darnold and select someone like a Kyle Pitts or a Penny Sewell and just kind of bolster the team that you have around Sam Darnold? But in reality, this is Joe Douglas's team. Sam Darnold, as hardworking as he is, as Joe Douglas kind of raved about him, he's not Joe Douglas's guy. And in Joe Douglas's mind, he's not going to be picking in the top five again for a while. At least that's what he hopes. And he should hope that because if he does consistently, he's going to be out of a damn job. So bringing in Zach Wilson resets that clock, doesn't have to allocate a bunch of money towards the quarterback position. He can build up the rest of his roster and attempt to make some noise in that AFC West that the Jets just have failed to make noise in, it seems like, since the Rex Ryan years, which is 10 years ago now, making everybody feel really old. And as for Sam, man, I mean, you look at a lot of the PFF stats for what it's worth, and you could just look at the the games itself. I mean, Sam Darnold has thrown for, I think, 200 yards only four times last year, and they were trailing a lot of the time because their team was not good. I mean, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions is not great. It's nothing to write home about, obviously. But if you go to PFF stats and you go to the minimum dropbacks of 50% of 683, Sam Darnold ranks dead last in passing grades on the season, and he also ranks sixth in turnover-worthy play percentage. So that's something that he has to shake. It's something that he suffered with dating back to his time at USC. Everyone knew it coming into the draft, and he's still dealing with it. And the hopes for the Carolina Panthers is that Joe Brady will fix this, and Matt Rule will fix this. But the interesting thing is general manager of the Carolina Panthers, Scott Fritterer, came out and he said that they're not ruling out a quarterback. Now, I think that's just kind of, with the eighth overall selection, I think that's kind of just general manager speak, if you will. They're not going to be like, yeah, you know, we're good, but you just want to challenge Darnold. You want to create that competitive environment, and you also want to maybe entice somebody who's picking after that to trade up to eight if someone like a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones even or a Trey Lance does slide a little bit. So I think that's more probably... That's probably the case when it comes to that, but I still find it all interesting. And best of luck to Sam Darnold down in Carolina, now an NFC quarterback. So it should be interesting to see how this all unfolds. And it would just be so jet-like, so darn jet-like, if Sam Darnold ends up being a pro bowler and really hitting his stride in this Joe Brady, Matt Rule-led team. All right, before I get into the rest of the news around the NFL, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we talked about Sam Darnold a little bit, but I want to get into Daniel Jones because this past week, Daniel Jones showed some leadership. He showed some confidence and he showed, obviously, that he really wants this all to be a success. There's a lot of talk about how the Giants have surrounded him with all the weapons he needs to be a successful quarterback in year three. And if he doesn't have success this year, then he's done. Now, I think if the Giants don't have success this year, then Dave Gettleman will ultimately probably be let go or he'll quote-unquote retire like Tom Coughlin did. And that's going to spell the end of Daniel Jones in New York because another general manager isn't going to come in and just want Daniel Jones to be their guy. They're going to want to get their own guy unless the Giants promoted from within and that person loved Daniel Jones, say a Kevin Abrams or Chris Pettit, what have you. But I love to see Daniel Jones, the young quarterback, going into his third year, kind of put the team on his back and organize a passing week, essentially, with his weapons to go down to Arizona in Phoenix and get his guys out down there. Now, that was Kenny Galladay, John Ross, Sterling Shepard. I heard Nick Gates and Will Hernandez were also in attendance, getting some of the offensive linemen there to just all work together to develop cohesion and have this team-building type of experience out there in Arizona in the offseason. Obviously, it's all voluntary, but you love to see John Ross and Kenny Galladay both want to go down there to play with Daniel Jones to kind of build a rapport with Daniel Jones. And I think these reps at this point of the season or the offseason, I should say, they're important. They really are. These guys don't really know each other that well right now, and they're developing cohesiveness, and that's kind of what you want. I also heard Saquon Barkley, who's rehabbing from his ACL surgery, is also expected to attend. Probably won't do all that much, but it's good just to see these offensive playmakers get together and be like, hey, there was a problem last year. We have new pieces. Let's figure it out now. They're going to need to do that. Because that offense last year was a problem. And everyone points to Jason Garrett. Or people point to Daniel Jones. Or the receivers not being able to create separation. But it's collective. It's a collective issue. The offensive line needs to block a little bit better. Jason Garrett needs to call some plays that's going to allow his receivers and his playmakers to get yards after the catch. All right, I understand spacing concepts. And people want to just do away with those spacing concepts, those quick curls. They make sense against zone defenses where you have smart receivers who know where to go, who know to, how to attack the leverage of the defense and what the defense is trying to do. But you can't do that consistently. And you can't do that with players like Evan Ingram who can't locate, turn, locate a football in the air and then pluck it out. He just can't do any of those things. But Kenny Galladay can, and a lot of these other guys can. But you need to just not rely so heavily on those quick curls and those quick spacing concepts. You need to develop something a little bit more advanced than just slant flat, okay? And we need to get these playmakers into space. Now, in order to do that, especially on five-step drops and some deeper-step drops, you need the blocking to hold up. And that's why the combination of Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux still kind of gives me a little bit of hesitation because Shane Lemieux last year was really, really good on the counter trays and running the ball while pulling, the backside pulling guard, front side pulls. He did really, really well. G lead, stuff like that. But he was kind of a problem in pass protection, really losing right off the snap to longer, more physical 
types of defensive players. We saw it a lot during that Buccaneers game, and we saw it a lot, basically about two snaps every game from Shane Lemieux. Will Hernandez is better in pass protection, but he's much more boxier and doesn't move as well for those run type of plays. But the guards, they, they do scare me a little bit. And I do believe depth needs to be added to this offensive line because Daniel Jones can't be getting pressured like he's been because that guy has been pressured a lot since entering the NFL. I mean, he had Nate Solder as his left tackle in his rookie season. Last year, he had Andrew Thomas for the first half of the season. As much as I like Andrew Thomas, it was bad. It was not great whatsoever. Daniel Jones only had 516 dropbacks last year because he was injured and it was a little bit more of a conservative type of offense, but he was pressured 208 times, which was eighth most. Now, some merit to the fact that he holds onto the football too long. Sometimes he struggles to get through his progressions or check the football down. I felt like he did a much better job than that in 2020, but it's still, there's room for improvement. I think that's fair to say. But look at the drop back count for all the quarterbacks that were pressured more than him. I mean, Kirk Cousins at 572, but then you got Mahomes at 653, Matt Ryan at 683, Deshaun Watson at 656, Josh Allen at 683, 660 for Russell Wilson, 653 for Justin Herbert. I mean, that's a lot of dropbacks. And Daniel Jones, if you look at the amount of dropbacks he has and then the amount of times he's pressured, I mean, that's a higher rate. His offensive line, again, like I said, there's other factors, but his offensive line is a big issue for that. You were starting a rookie left tackle who struggled mightily. You're starting a rookie left guard who struggled mightily. You're starting a first-year center who is an undrafted rookie tackle, or an undrafted, I shouldn't say rookie, but he was an undrafted rookie, but a tackle out of Nebraska who transitioned to center in a truncated offseason and actually played pretty well. And Kevin Zeitler, now he's gone. He was your best offensive lineman. And then you had a combination of Matt Parrott and Cameron Fleming, who was uninspiring. Parrott was, showed some signs as a rookie, but still he wasn't quite ready last year for a full-time role. So you need to ensure this offensive line comes together. You, that needs to be a priority in this draft, and it needs to be a priority just in training camp. I mean, you know, you brought back Pat Flaherty, you bring in Rob Sale, you, you need to ensure there's no turmoil like there was last year with Mark Colombo, and then obviously you brought in Dave DiGuglielmo, and he did his time, and now he's moved on. Hopefully Rob Sale, the relationship he has with Joe Judge, everything's going to go over smoothly there, and then this offense can kind of hit the stride, and they can maximize the weapons of Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, John Ross, Kyle Rudolph, and then the existing weapons from last year, and Darius Slayton, who can now see a lot more one-on-one coverage, which should benefit him, and you can move Sterling Shepard back into the slot because Golden Tate is no longer there. I also want to focus on Jones for a second. I mean, first off, the guy's got to stay healthy. This is two straight seasons where he's dealing with an injury. That's not something that you want to see. The best ability is availability. We've heard that so many times. But what was the biggest critique about Daniel Jones coming in from his 2019 season to his 2020, from his freshman to his sophomore campaign, it was the fact that he turned the football over way too much, and he had a lot of turnover-worthy plays. Well, according to Pro Football Focus, in 2019, he had 31 turnover-worthy plays, which ranked fourth in the NFL. The only quarterbacks that were ahead of him was Jameis Winston, Kyle Allen, and Phillip Rivers. The turnover play percentage was at 5.5% for Daniel Jones. But now we look at 2020, and it was a lot better for Daniel Jones. It really was. He really cleaned up his turnovers. Not a lot of people are talking about that. He ranked 13th 
in the league. And he brought that turnover-worthy play percentage down to 3.1% with only 17 turnover-worthy plays. Now, these are throws. Let's keep that into context. I know the fumbling was a huge issue for Daniel Jones, so we have to acknowledge the fact that Daniel Jones and his fumbling issue isn't related to that stat. But what is related is the fact that he dropped his fumbling issues down by 6 He had 18 fumbles in 2019. He had 11 in 2020. So you want to see that drop down now. There were still times where he was just absolutely obliterated from the blind side and fumbled the football and almost gave up a touchdown. I mean, the Marcus Golden one comes to my mind. But you know what happened actually on that drive, that ensuing drive? The New York Giants held the Arizona Cardinals four plays, four stops, and got the ball back to the New York Giants. But you can't rely on that all the time. Daniel Jones does need to get a little bit better with holding on to the football. We saw some development in that area from year one to year two. We saw some more development when it comes to turnover-worthy plays, ill-advised throws, throwing into windows that he shouldn't be throwing into. We saw that also improve. I don't want him to lose his aggressiveness because I actually like Daniel Jones' aggressiveness, but it needs to be smart and decisive and judicious with his aggressiveness, and I felt like he did that in 2020. But I still think he still has a lot more to prove It's definitely not a foregone conclusion if he's going to be here long term, but he's going to have the opportunity to prove it. Now, I think this is an excellent step showing his leadership, something that we don't really question about Daniel Jones because he gives us no reason to question it. But organizing and getting all of his teammates together in Arizona, I mean, you know Joe Judge is over there loving that, probably loves to hear that, which is excellent. Now, just need that offensive line to block, and that's going to be something that you're going to hear me talk about a lot going up to the draft and into the season because we just can't have this 23-year-old kid just keep getting walloped in the backfield and have turnstiles at the tackle positions. And the immediate pressure from the interior parts of the offensive line, that needs to cease as well. He needs He's going to need time to find the Kenny Galladay's and the Sterling Shepherds and the Darius Slaytons and all of these other weapons. Alrighty, everybody. I just wanted to talk about that Jets trade. I wanted to talk a little bit about Daniel Jones. This is Falato on Football here on Big Blue View Radio. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Please rate, subscribe, and review our podcast. If you head to iTunes, you can find us on there. Just type in Big Blue View, leave a review, and just tell us what you think. Ask us a question, whatever you want to do. Alrighty, everybody. Draft is around the corner, but I hope all you guys stay safe. Have fun. Take care of yourselves. Talk to you next week. Take care now.